If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Softweb Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Army Ranger and Green Beret, Jack Murphy. Good riddance. Hasta lasagna. Don't get any on you. Marine Scout Sniper, Jason Delgado. It's just something we're believing. I associate that with taste buds. I like freaking chocolate chip mint. Why is this flavor boring? Because his whole life is boring. But whatever. And now, here's your co-host and producer of this operation, Ian Scottell. Softrep.com, on time, on target. Very excited to have Donnie O'Malley coming on this episode, which was really Jason's suggestion. I know you're a huge fan of his work. Hell yeah, he is hilarious. I think out of all the uh, veteran skits that are on like um, Facebook and things, you know, social media like that, uh, he's hands down the funniest one. There's a lot of them too. And it's now he has, his, yeah, he has his vet TV stuff. We'll hopefully, we'll get into with him. Uh, but man, like, dude, he's hilarious. Like, I think he nails the persona. Of the marine, like down to a T, to the point where he can dissect it and 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 highlight the actual comedy in it. it, it you know what I mean? Like yeah. cuts cuts the bullshit out and gets straight to our f- funny mannerisms, yeah. and and just like a barrage of mannerisms, and it's just like. <laughs> It's, it's like side-splitting. It's crazy. You would also know better than anyone else. You know, I mean, you are a Marine, so you know. Yeah, I wish, I wish you guys could have the experience that I have so that you can enjoy his comedy. Yeah. Because it's funny, nonetheless, when you watch it, but there's, uh, there's a lot of subliminal jokes there and, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff uh, under the layers. And it's just so funny if you guys knew, you know, it's, it's like when we, we, we always split, uh, spitting out acronyms. And, yeah. you know, sometimes we have to stop and like, oh, by the way, that means this guy. Yep. It's like that. You guys, trust me, he's hilarious. But <laughs> I know what you mean, because with Matt Best, I remember the first mm. time I saw his stuff because our friend Leo Jenkins was in his video. I remember like I showed it to Andrew Wilkow and we were both laughing. But there were times that Andrew was like, I don't get that part. What does that mean? And I'd be like, I, I don't know either. So sometimes, yeah, it is a little bit inside. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree with you. Like you kind of have to play to that because of the comedy that you're doing anyway. Um, so getting into everything, one of the first things I wanted to mention was my apologies for not mentioning Pearl Harbor last episode, literally right after we recorded the episode. Hey, you did not I know I was here too. I just, I was, I was trying to put the heat on you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right after we recorded it and we went to the, uh, soft rep holiday party. That's what it was. Like, was. Oh, shit. I forgot about that's that. That's what we were, we were preoccupied with getting out of here in time and all that stuff. Yeah. So. And it's a big thing to mention because we've had. We had one of the last Pearl Harbor survivors on an episode not that long ago, you know, who was there at Pearl Harbor. So I always think to myself when I get to meet someone who was there at Pearl Harbor, like we are the last generation who will get to meet these people. Mm-hmm. They're they're dying off, unfortunately. Yeah. So I, the, the least I could do is is acknowledge, you know, the importance of that day. Every day. We'll do that for every uh you know, substantial battle in, you know, American history, you know, that's just what we have to do because like you said, generations are going to be lost here soon enough. And 
what do we have once they're gone? You know, we have hearsay, you know, and you leave it up to everyone out there misconstruing facts now. You know, we're going to lose a very important part of our history. So we always have to highlight these things. Yeah, I I remember at Sirius, for example, uh, last year, might have been two years ago, I don't remember, I met this guy, Dr. Desi Roth, Holocaust survivor, um, and he talked about that after he survived the Holocaust, he then survived communism. Wow. And, uh, you know, so he was like, I lived through, you know, National Socialism, Nazism. I lived through communism. I heard Hitler give speeches on the radio. And it's like, you know, if I ever have kids, they will never meet these people because they're, they're not going to be around much longer. Uh, imagine the, the destabilization he went through during both of those periods, you know, because the economies are just like tore up to, you know, uh, somewhat, you know, restand as a, a totally different ideology. You know, it's like. Can you imagine everyone that suffers in between those periods? Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah, and and he became a doctor. His father was a doctor, and he talked about, you know, like the Nazis taking his father away, and then he talked about the communists destroying his property. It's, you know, to to live through those types of things. Like, I, I it's it's one of those things, things we talk about on the podcast often, but we don't realize how good we have it sometimes. How do you live to, through stuff like that and not hold a grudge? Yeah. You know, that's, that's crazy. Well, that it also reminds me of uh, on the Power of Thought. We had the guy who flew the last combat mission over Japan, mm-hmm. and his uh, grandson married a Japanese girl. <laughs> and, uh, what do you, you know, say about that? I mean, obviously he has to get over. You know what I mean? But did he feel anything towards the gesture? <laughs> well, well, he was shocked that you know their parents would o- allow it. I believe it was the grandparents. You know, it's funny. I got to listen back to the episode. You know, it was a few mm-hmm. months back. So, back so. Uh, Forgive me if I'm not completely accurate, but the one thing that was said was they said, so this man flew, you know, planes over Japan and and flew that particular plane. Mm -hmm. And the Japanese, I think, grandfather was like, if that's the type of man this was, then I want him in my gene pool. That's a pretty bad dude. So that's pretty impressive to, you know, stand aside from all the... uh the hatred and the the animosity and the war and just be able to look at it, it it's what we were talking about a couple episodes with Tonto a few episodes yeah. I say where you know we have this certain admiration or respect to our adversaries because they're willing to meet us and fight us and die with you know die by us or try to kill us so you know that in and of itself that 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 base the fact that they're brave and they're willing to face you and die yeah I mean you got to respect that you got to. Absolutely. So I, I agree with him. Yeah, I would love to have those genes in my family as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, also the holiday party we just had, there was Jim West's event. I wasn't at that. I was at the party. Um, and it was just, you know, a company party. It wasn't the team room event, which is coming up soon. Uh, but, yeah, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that and the Jim West event because I was not at that. At I, see, I see the potential in this um, with the event. It was the first one we threw for Jim. Um, I, I can see it getting a little bit more tighter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe at a smaller bar. I don't, I'm no hit on Emmett's. We love Emmett's. I love Emmett. If we can constantly do it at Emmett, we would do it at Emmett's. But it's just, I think Jim needs a, a, I'm sorry, a set block, a set time frame, maybe an hour tops, where there's quiet. 
you yeah. know, where there's, you know, there you don't have the ambience, uh, ambient noise from a bar in the background. And, you know, it's hard for your audience to hear you as well when you're up there and, you know, trying to focus in on specific instructions. So I think maybe the bar setting we can duplicate somewhere and then do maybe one a week with them, yeah. you know, and maybe just stay with two or three moves and just kind of feed it off of that. That's my suggestion. Um, as far as the event, man, I'm surprised the turnout was pretty decent. We had people cool coming from, people. yeah, we had people coming from, you know, as far as I think one place was Utah. Wow. Um, yeah, I, you know, Jim draws them out, man. People want to meet this guy, and I, you know, I don't blame him. So yeah, definitely see potential in this. I, I hope we keep going with this. I think you know Jim definitely deserves the attention. He need, you know, I think people could benefit a lot from his techniques. He's he's pretty, he's, he's a badass. Yeah, which reminds me, speaking of MMA. Uh, although she didn't win, uh, Liz Carmucha, we're going to have a next week fought. Uh, yeah, but everyone that Saturday saw that, night. everyone that saw that fight knew that she was winning that fight. You know what? If I could grab my phone for a second, I'll find what she wrote. But I'm looking forward to speaking with her. And for those who don't know, Liz Carmuch fought in the first women's UFC event against Ronda Rousey. I mean, you put both of them side by side. You, you would have never known she lost because the other girl looked like Buster Douglas beat her up or something. <laughs> well, here's what she wrote. And, and uh, Liz is at I am girl Rilla on Instagram. Uh, from the damage to her face, you'd think I won. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I left it to a decision and wasn't able to bring home the win. Thank you, everyone, for your support. I'm back at it next week to be the best 125er I can be. Damn straight. So, yeah, she's also, I, I interviewed her uh, on Sirius XM a few years back, and she's just very classy because she talked about, we talked about fighters who talk a lot of shit, mm-hmm. basically, and she was like, yeah, I don't do that because you're going to look like an idiot if you lose. And, uh, you know, I, I could agree with that. Yeah. I think that'll be embarrassing when you're, you know, showboating and then next thing you know, you get your ass knocked out. A lot of guys don't really care much about that. But I think it's a part of the industry, too, the whole uh, drumming up um, attention and anticipation for the event. I think a lot of that stuff uh, following, um, preceding the fight is theatrics. It really is. Yeah. You can't possibly hate someone that much in an industry where you're always fighting. Like, yeah. You're going to hate every opponent you have. Come on. Give me, I know. It's tiring. <laughs> well, I, and that's also, you know, Conor McGregor. He's mm-hmm. used it to his advantage, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, a th- it's like wrestling, but real, where you still need a character. People still need to cling on to something. Yeah. You know, and you need, you need, you need to, uh, what do you call it, um, franchise yourself, you know? You, you need to sell yourself. Yeah. You know? um, big news item of the day, of course, is the Roy Moore versus Doug Jones Senate election in Alabama. I don't want to get into it too much because I feel like the news has saturated this election like crazy. We'll see what happens by the time this is up uh, tomorrow. We'll have the results. The one thing I thought was funny, I mean, <laughs> funny and, and just like a what the fuck you doing kind of way, was when Roy Moore's wife came up and said, they say that we don't like Jews. Well, one of our attorneys is Jewish. And I was just like, yeah, you know, whoever is like your your PR person, like probably not the best move to use that is like we're not anti-Semitic. Yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not anti I'm not anti Latino. I have Mexicans cutting my lawn all the time. <laughs> yeah, it was it was not uh, not smart on their part. And, you know, I, I'm not going to get too involved in it. I, I do feel like the media has talked about this uh election of death because it gets viewers it's controversy and also they're trying they're trying each side is trying to get their agenda out you know they're trying they're trying to get their obviously their candidate to win so it's it's saturation on both sides you know the republican ticket and the democratic ticket but if i have to call it 
I don't I don't see Roy Moore winning it. Well, by the time this is up, we'll know. I, I yeah. actually, I will go opposite. I You'll think, go opposite? I think Roy Moore is going to win. Uh, you know, I think the more that the, you know, here, here's the thing. If but I, it's, a, if, it's, it's on the people of Alabama, too, so. Well, I'm going to be objective about this. If I lived in Alabama, I would not be voting for Roy Moore. However, I could see from the perspective of the people in Alabama that the more that the liberal-sided media talks about that you shouldn't vote for this guy, how terrible he is, and that Donald Trump is a disgrace for endorsing him, the more it energizes that base to go out and vote for him. What, because they don't care what the New York you know, liberal media thinks. We also need him in the Senate, you know, as far as the conservatives are concerned, because, you know, we have to get a lot of things approved. So, um, like I said, they're just going really hard. I, I just... I don't know. I just think the fact that the accusations came, uh, you know, were um, allegedly underaged women. I think that's what's kind of got to be that jagged pill to swallow, you know. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, but I, it's almost like the way that I look at it is that CNN, MSNBC, on on one hand. What they do and what all media is, and I've said it before, is selling people to advertisers. So if they could keep you tuned in and they could keep you watching commercials, buying products, they're doing their job. Uh, however, I think they really, if they're in terms of getting an agenda through, they have really missed the boat through the Trump election that they're part of the reason Trump got elected. Yeah, all this out. negative publicity. So they're doing the exact same thing with Roy Moore. And if he gets elected, I'm partially going to say you are the reason he got elected. And, and the fact that they have not rotated out any new representatives to the uh, Democratic Party. I mean, you, you got I forgot who was calling for Nancy Pelosi to resign because she's just been there forever. Yeah. Um, but they 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 want fresh blood in there. And I, I think they have they have there's a base to that because I, I don't see many people relating to Bernie Sanders, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, these are senior citizens, man. You know, and, and you know, they came up at a different time than we came up. So I think that there's not that there's not that relation there between their uh core constituents and, you know, or their their base and their representatives. Yeah, but they keep getting voted in, so you know, it's up to the people if they want these uh, people who have been in office for decades out. It's up to you to vote them out. I mean, mm-hmm. here, in, here in New York, we've had Chuck Schumer forever. Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. And, uh, you know, it's not like he's he's a dictator of New York. We have the opportunity to vote him out. And there's never really a strong but candidate. You got to admit, New York has not been on any sort of decline whatsoever since shit, early 2000s. You know, since after 9-11, like, everything in New York is, is security is better, economic, uh, economically, financially, you know. Um, I just think safety-wise in general, like, I, I have not seen New York slip. So that might, that might speak as to why uh, Chuck is still, in, is still in the seat, you know, because, you know, we trust him. Yeah, you know, which yeah. is a good segue to the next thing, talking about security. Yesterday, we heard about the terrorist attack in New York City. Uh, Port Authority bus terminal, where a lot of people I know, right? It was Port Authority, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're sorry, you will give me like you're skeptical. Like I have no, 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 yeah, because no, no. no, a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends actually at SiriusXM, like Mike Bins, they travel in and out of a Port Authority bus terminal at that time every day. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's always scary when Shit, you hear seven thirty a.m. at the Port Authority. You know, that's yeah. <laughs> that's like the peak hour right there. Yeah, man. So what was your uh, what an idiot on it? 
what an idiot. Definitely throw punch of the week for this guy because he, he's not even a successful terrorist. <laughs> well, so I, I printed out this article. Supposed to be an electrician or something? Man, he must. You need, you need to go back to all the houses he wired up here in the city and check them. Yeah. <laughs> Before somebody's house burns down. Sure. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw this because to me this was the most uh, you know odd thing about everything the the uh, response from the family did you hear that um, I did hear the response from the family and how they uh, what was it that they said I can, I'll read yeah, it right read it. here yeah, yeah. so this was their response from the family of the terrorist uh, we are heartbroken by the violence that was targeted at our city today and by the allegations being made against a member of our family. But we are also outraged by the behavior of law enforcement officials who have held children as small as four years old out in the cold and who held a teenager out of high school classes to interrogate him without a lawyer. These are not the sorts of actions that we expect from our justice system, and we have every confidence that our justice system will find the truth behind this attack (laughs) and that we will, in the end, be able to learn what occurred today. Man, like what a fucking what ridiculous statement. Yeah, that's what it was. They were they were saying the way they were they were handled by authorities during the investigation, the, you know, um, after the fact. Uh, they didn't like, you know, that, you know, they were calling their family members out into the street or, you know, pulling them over while they were going to work. And, and you're, stuff. you're not going to be, you know, <laughs> I've heard Brandon what? say it on the podcast before. Like, Suppo- not- are we supposed to send like correspondence first and be like, hey, we're going to come check up on you guys? Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard Brandon say it on the podcast before. Like, you're not going to be given the white glove treatment when you're a terrorist in New York City. That's not going to happen. And then what's the deterrent? You know, what's the deterrent to that? You know, if you're treating everyone, it's the same. It's the same principle as to why jails are so shitty. Yeah. You know, you don't want to. You're never going to go to jail and be like, "Well, I had the most pleasant time in the world." No, it's it's meant to be torturous and hell. And the benches are only six inches wide, so you can't lay on them if you have a wide back. It's ridiculous. It's supposed to be hell, so that you don't want to go back. So I could see why maybe. Uh, being a little stern, for lack of better uh, terminology, being a little stern with the family, you know, with maybe set a precedence to the other families out there that hear some type of crazy rhetoric out of someone yeah. in, in amongst their ranks. And maybe they'll say, you know what, if this guy does something stupid, it's going to come down on everybody. So maybe we need to send this guy away. Well, I've played this clip on the podcast before. I played it with Jay um, from Sofrep and Terry Shappert when he was on Gutfeld's show made this statement and it went like absolutely viral the video i pulled up is only one of videos i mean it, w- it was on facebook it had like an insane amount of likes and shares so terry's been on the podcast several times and people seem to really like what he said here mm-hmm. so i'd actually like to hear your reaction to because people wonder how do you solve this type of thing and i think he said something that a lot of people would say is practical so them for a living 25 years almost yeah i just uh, retired in october what are we doing wrong what could we do better I, you got to give me like more than thirty seconds because I flew up here today to do this damn shit. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I like I like the way he called it. Yeah, you got to give me more thirty seconds, goddammit. Okay, I know. Here's I'm talking now about the homegrown terror stuff, right? Okay, I've heard all everything about everybody else, and I've been doing that my whole life. Here's the phrase, and you need to remember this. Sometimes you need to become what you aren't in order to protect and ensure the future survival of what you actually are. Hmm. That's the principle behind self-defense. It's also the principle behind a lot of wars. We do it, but we don't want to. Mm -hmm. You do what is necessary. Now, before anybody calls me an Islamophobe, 
I've spent most of my, a lot of my adult life over in the Middle East. I've lived with Arabs. I've trained their soldiers. I've fought, I've bled, I've watched them die. As a Green Bay medic, I've delivered their babies, pulled their teeth, inoculated their farm animals. Yeah, straight. And I've, I've helped them the whole time. So don't ever call me an Islamophobe for what I'm about to say, because probably most of you have never done what I've done. I'm sorry I'm getting a little militant about it. Here's the thing. You gotta understand what's going on over there. You gotta understand them. People talking to talking heads, you don't know what they, how these folks think. They are worried about their family, their clan, and their tribe. They do not have a national identity. That's why that's such yeah. a hard sell. Mm-hmm. And most Middle Eastern countries are either kingdoms, theocracies, or, or uh, dictatorships, because you have to crush them to hold them together. Right. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to the guys who are living here in the West, the killers, not the regular Islamic people. What do they care about? They hate the country they live in. Their words, not mine. Their actions, not mine. Mm-hmm. What do they care about? They care about their family. They care about that group. So anytime one of these guys does this, that whole family yep. gets picked up and deported back to the country of origin. And I gotta tell you something, on the way here today, this isn't some, yeah, America right. I do what is necessary. Green Braves are problem solvers. I talked to my driver coming in from the airport. He's from Pakistan. Mm-hmm. I know a little bit about Pakistan. He was surprised I even knew where he came by in his name. We were talking back and forth in a friendly way, and I posited this to him. And you know what he said? He goes, that would work. Mm-hmm. They know. They know what it is. And right now, there's no impetus in the United States or the Western Europe countries for the Muslim uh, community as a whole to actually do something about this. Because as soon as one of them kills, we, we mourn, we put up our emojis, and then we tell the rest of them, we love you, we don't want to hurt you, and that's, that's the way it goes. Does anybody know what happened to San Bernardino family? Yeah. The Pulse Night Club killer? The uh, Boston Marathon, they're all still here. Right. Move them out. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you now, you take from them what they care about, and it will slow down if not stop. Mm. Good point. I got that. Yeah, so that was uh, bigger place into what we were just talking yeah, about. Yeah, he's, he's got more of a detailed plan, but my sentiments are in line with his. Mm-hmm. You def- there has to be repercussions to their actions. If they don't fear death, then what other repercussion you can have aside from death. But how does that, I'm just wondering how does that play into the people who are here? Because I think what he was but saying my, po- my, my, my point is embarrassment. Yeah. A, a, you know, shame. Um, the fact that he just literally undone generations of work to that name, to that family. Sure. Because everything they had to go through to even get into this country in the first place is literally undone. With one action. Once you start setting a precedence that, you know, if you have someone in your family that commits such an atrocity, your whole family will get deported. That is going to force that family to start policing their own. Yeah, very true. But I think that's the point he was making. That is, that is exactly the point. And I agree with it. If there's nothing else we can do, I'd rather do this than live with the notion that this is going to become a new norm. Yeah. And I have to just... Honestly, when I heard what happened... I didn't feel anything. It's getting to that point where there's just no more anger in me anymore. There's no more. That happens. It's not absurd. It's just like it's it's just the frequency in which it's occurring is just ridiculous. Yeah. And now it's to the point where we're getting desensitized to it. And I don't want that to happen because then we're going to get comfortable with it and it's going to get worse. So I'd rather live with that than with the latter. You know, the truth is you start putting it in. You start putting the ball in their court and I guarantee you they're going to stop deflating it. You know? Yeah. I think you're right. Um, all right, so I have other stuff I want to get to. However, we have Donnie O'Malley coming on in like four minutes or so. So um, the email that I want to get to, we'll get to next. I also want to get into this Dennis Rodman uh, being asked, well, asking to be in North Korea 
uh, special envoy, which I thought was pretty uh, entertaining. And, and I always like bringing any opportunity that I have to bring Dennis Rodman into the podcast. I'm all for North Korean chach must be good, bro. <laughs> all right. So before we get to Donnie and we'll get to all that uh, right after, I do want to mention, of course, that Harry's what I love. What I love about Harry's, they're always putting out incredible products between the shaved gel, the shaved cream and, and of course, their blades incredible products that you guys are going to love if you haven't already become a subscriber this holiday harry's is offering custom and limited edition shaving sets that make for perfect gifts built with your guy in mind that's for the ladies in the audience of course uh their sets come with german engineered five blade cartridges that provide a close comfortable shave foaming shave gel that smells amazing special limited edition winter chrome and emerald green handles and you could also personalize that with engraving all packaged in a beautifully designed gift box which starts at just ten dollars this is great for a stocking stuffer or even for yourself no matter what you're looking for harry's has you covered and as a special offer we've partnered with harry's to give you five dollars off your offer when you go to harrys.com slash soft rep this offer is only available for the holidays so this holiday give harry's and give handsome shipping cutoffs and this week so act now to get your gifts delivered in time to get a limited edition holiday shave set while supplies last go to harry's.com slash soft rep right now that's harry's.com slash soft rep check it out and, uh, you know, a lot of guys who have been listening to the podcast for a while absolutely swear by Harry. So this is your chance to get just a great limited time offer. So get on that. Harry's.com slash Sofrep. And, of course, you've heard me speak very highly of HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. Trust me, I am no chef, and I haven't had any issues cooking with HelloFresh. I like everything they've put out, so you don't have to be an expert. Uh, they give you exactly what you need. They give you step-by-step instructions, and you'll be able to do it yourself and make great meals. With HelloFresh, all the ingredients are delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging and come pre-measured in handy, labeled meal kits so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. And HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly, including the Classic Plan, which comes with a wide variety of meat, fish, and seasonal produce. Can't go wrong with that. For those wondering, it's packaged incredibly, so you don't have to worry about this stuff going bad. It's as fresh as you're going to get. Uh, the Veggie Plan, vegetarian recipes with plant-based proteins, which I do always wonder, are there vegetarians in the Safrap audience Probably Ooh. very few, you know. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't <laughs> heard of anybody, you know, cutting back on some of the fat. <laughs> yeah. I know, like, uh, you know, Brandon is, is on, like, a lot of fish, you know, but vegetarian, that's a whole other ballpark. Uh, and the family plan, quick and easy meals the whole family will love. Better yet, you can choose a delivery day that works best for your busy schedule and even pause your account for weeks at a time. HelloFresh makes it so easy to cook delicious, balanced dinners for less than $10 a meal. No more time-consuming meal planning or grocery shopping. Enjoy not spending money on takeout for an easy night or worrying about gathering ingredients week after week. They make it so simple 
and they're awesome. Uh, I've been just really happy with everything they've given me and a real wide variety of meals, I have to say. Uh, so I've loved it, and you will too. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code SOFTREP30. And that's a really good promo, by the way, $30 off for the entire week. Uh, you're going to love it. HelloFresh.com, promo code SOFTREP30. And I'll do that one more time, just that you have it, HelloFresh.com. The promo code is SOFTREP30. Now, we, of course, want to get to Donnie O'Malley, and I'm taking a note here that we have a couple more things to get into that I was going to do during the intro, but, you know, you never know where things are going to go. I I didn't prepare to pull up that Terry Shafford clip. It just made sense. So, uh, yeah, let's get right over to Donnie. Looking forward to having him on for the first time. Good, sir. How's everything going? I'm here with uh, Jason Delgado. What's up, man? Yo, yo. Dude, dude I'm, I'm trying not to geek out, man, but dude, I'm one of your fucking hugest fans. I said I said it today on the show, and I'll say it every other fucking day after this. You are by far the only producer of some of the funniest shit on the internet right now. I can't stand some of those vet skits. Yours, fucking home run every time, man. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> I, I mean, it's high praise it. from a Marine Scott Sniper, I would say, so... Dude, no, this guy's got me beat all day, man. I'm running down your laundry list of your accolades, man, or what haven't you done? Like, fuck, how many jobs have you had? (laughs) Are are you talking about in the Marines or out of it? Out of the Marine Corps. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I mean, I have have not been employed for a second (laughs) by anyone else since I got out. But um, Same here. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Yeah, dude. People ask me like, um, well, maybe they don't. They don't. I started that wrong. I fucking hate having a boss. <laughs> like the notion of anyone being in charge of me is like, it's like this. Like someone telling me they're gonna take my guns away. Like it, 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 it like makes my skin crawl. That's funny, man. Well, so just to give you an intro for the people who are who are wondering about Donnie, I mean, I think there's a huge crossover between our audience, of course, that, you know, loves your stuff. And I was looking at your Instagram today and, you know, you're friends with the guys like Matt Best, who we've had on before. And, you know, I think it's safe to say you're in that same category of, you know, veteran comedy. And Jason and I were talking about before we brought you on, there's certain things that I think everybody could enjoy that you're doing, but then there's other stuff that really only veterans are going to understand, which is cool, though. So Donnie O'Malley, former Marine captain, uh, also runs Veteran TV, which is at VeteranTV.com. The website is DonnieO'Malley.com. And uh, I should also throw in there, I didn't know until I was looking up your stuff, that you also had a pretty successful book called Embarrassing Confessions of a Marine Lieutenant that people could still pick up on Amazon.com. Uh, yeah, yeah. Booked, uh, booked it okay. <laughs> it did. I saw a like, ton of reviews on there and, and all very highly uh, ranked. I think like all five-star reviews almost nice. on there. Uh, which was cool to see. So before we get into everything and and what you're doing, I'm sure people would like to hear your background, even pre-comedy of just uh, getting into the Marines and and what you did. Uh, So I get, you know, my mother is a Colombian immigrant father's Irish. um, That's cool. His grandparents immigrated. Yeah. At, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, except everyone thinks I'm a uh, fucking whopper or a Jew. <laughs> I'm, I'm both. 
I've, I, I don't know if that turned out incredibly handsome or terrible. I haven't seen your you, face yet. You can yet. tell me, Jason. Uh, <laughs> I like your voice, man. You have an awesome voice. <laughs> yeah. Then you're a fellow New Yorker, which you can kind of tell with that Queens. humor. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just noticed Bronx. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you're my my roots is where everything comes from. And I'm, I, I don't know if both of you guys are just Jason's from New York, but like, no, both, you of know, us. my, both of you. Okay. Yeah. So, so just imagine this dude, my dad's side of the family is, is huge. His, his, um, father was the oldest of 10 children and, uh, all 10 of them lived in this one house in Queens village. And then as they grew up, everyone got another house somewhere in Queens Village. So it's this huge Irish uh, blue-collar Catholic family. And uh, then they started marrying a bunch of fucking Italians, uh, Hispanic here and there. And, um, and they all maintained this the same, uh, like, same New York Catholic blue-collar attitude that is just – full of comedy, nonstop laughter, very dark humor. You know, we would place bets on who was the next family member to die at every funeral. <laughs> um, but, you know, but there was no, like, we didn't have the other elements of uh, your typical, uh, you know, lower middle class or maybe upper lower class family. You know, there was no abuse. Um Tons and tons of alcoholism, like terrible amounts of alcoholism, but uh, just like the family is where everything stems from. And um, I've been thinking about that more and more lately. I'm just so grateful for the the family that I was given or born into because that's where all the comedy comes from. And I go back to New York uh, one or two times a year and I hang out with some of my cousins, you know, guys who are these big giant men who have been doing some sort of construction job their entire lives. And I watch them at the bar telling stories and it's like I could hire every single fucking one of them to be in one of my shows or one of uh, an act in a stand up tour. Every one of them has that talent. So it just runs in the family. I, I give it all to them. I, th- I think it goes um, it goes back to like uh, our um, affinity for like mafia movies and just growing up in that culture where, you know, these guys would tell stories. But they always had that punchline. So I think yeah. growing up over here, like we, we knew the importance of the punchline, you know? <laughs> yes, it's true, man. It's natural storytellers. It's wild. Um, okay. So anyways, after that, uh, moved to North Carolina for a little bit. Um, I spent four years there. I, uh, I identified as a young African-American male for a couple years there. <laughs> Uh, then uh, came to San Diego when I was 12 and been here ever since. I went to college at San Diego State. I was I was president of my fraternity twice, like total fucking frat boy to the extreme. <laughs> Edu- education was not the uh, the forefront of my college experience. And then um, and then I I worked for a couple of years, had my own business, just doing triathlons and shit. And then uh, joined the Marines at 25. Wow. So later on in the game than someone like you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I went in when I was a baby, still wet behind the ears. I mean, like I said, he, I mean, is it true? You were, you were a substitute teacher as well? Yeah. Oh, fuck <laughs> that's that. Crazy, I hated dude. that. Where at, dude? What, what, what state? 
Um, it was in San Diego. It was in some really rough schools, and that was mm. why I hated it. I, I just wanted to kill the kids. I couldn't do it. Dude, a buddy of mine's uh, a teacher. Well, he used to be a public school teacher. Now he's in charter school, and so he's loving charter school because it's like fucking militant over there. It's a business above anything. But he yeah. was a public school teacher, and he used to invite me over to talk to the kids, like, you know, motivationally or whatever. Bro, mm-hmm. this is the scariest thing in the world. These kids are, like, out of control. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I, it's some of the at, at one time, one of those little fucks threw a fucking <laughs> eraser at me. Okay, these fucking pieces of shit. Let me tell you, I fucking I'm, I'm gonna get all fucking pissed off right now. I was tired. Now I'm fucking fired up. Do it. So I go into this classroom, and I just want to like I was excited to be a good influence on them because my mother, um, being a Colombian immigrant. Um, lived in a really shitty uh, area. You know, she grew up in the hood. That's all she knows. A shitty area in Colombia, shitty area in Queens, in Jamaica and Astoria. Mm. And uh, she has been a teacher ever since she finished college. The only schools that she has uh, been able to fit in and actually be a benefit to the school have been in the hood. She tried She tried the white schools. It, it didn't work out. She, she only lasted a couple months. You know, she would like smack a kid upside the head or grab him by the ear or something and tell him to shut up. And the parents complain and she was out. That'd be too much. Um, So so, you know, I I grew up visiting my mother in these schools and I was so excited to to get in there and be a good influence on these kids. And I I didn't care so much about teaching the subjects, although I love teaching. I just wanted to be a positive role model for them. And I walk into this classroom. The teacher tells me, all right, so here's what I want you to do. Uh, all these kids uh, failed their test. Every single student in the class, except for maybe one or two, failed the test. Most of them got like below 50%. So she said, I'm giving them the opportunity to retake the test with an open book. Okay? They got an hour and a half with an open book, and they can get as high as a C. So I come in there and explain this to the kids, uh, set the timer, and they sit there and fuck off. Like they, they, you know, the term zero fucks, nobody, (laughs) everyone in the military, they're all fucking full of shit. Everyone gives fucks. Mm -hmm. You know who doesn't give a fuck? Some kid in the, in the, in the public school in the hood. (laughs) That kid really doesn't give a fuck because he sits there all this entire classroom of kids sitting there looking at the opportunity to pass a test and saying, nah, I don't give a fuck. And then I walk around, I give a motivational speech on why it's important for them to, to at least try to get the C. And um, sometime in the middle of my speech, I get a fucking eraser thrown at me. <laughs> and I lost my shit. And I, like, clenched up like I was going to fight someone. <laughs> and I think I called them losers. And uh, it go so well. <laughs> told them they were never going to be anything more than a loser if they didn't fucking take school seriously and shit. And I only lasted. I was a sub like maybe five more times. And that was it. <laughs> I got out of the game, man. <laughs> yeah, like I tried it. It's not for me. Got to go. No, <laughs> nope. dude, that's got to be like, you know, what's crazy. The fact that you could have a successful career in the fucking Marine Corps. <laughs> You, yeah. you don't last much time as a substitute teacher. People, this shit is yeah. crazy, man. Those kids are nuts. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. It takes so much like genuine heart and patience. It's wild. Uh, my mother's been doing it her entire life. My brother has been doing it for uh, 
for eight years. I just, I, I admire them so much because I, when I was a personal trainer, I actually had a bunch of clients who were um, school teachers in San Diego Unified, which is the, the district, the biggest district. And it's the one that has all the, the schools in the hood and with the gang problems and shit. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, three of them quit. They, and, and all they ever talked about was how much they hated the kids and how miserable they were. They would fucking, you know, they would try to discipline the kids and then a parent would come into the middle of the classroom and start cursing out to the teacher mm -hmm. for disciplining the child. Then the teacher would go to the principal and the principal would have the parents back because the parent would sue the school. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, it's a completely failed system. And, uh, and, and some people do it for decades, man. It's nuts. God bless them. Yeah, man. I don't know how the hell they could do it. I don't know how my best bud does it, but you know, it takes a special resilient kind of person to be a teacher. I got to tell you. So Donnie, talk to me about the Marine Corps. Talk to me about being an infantry officer. I'm so intrigued in that because you have such a fucking sense of humor. How did you work it out? How did you get to lighten up? Or, you know, you had to keep some sort of like stoic persona in order to get things moving or were you just doing things your own way? Um, no, I definitely, and this was, you know, the most challenging part of my military experience was having to suppress mm. some of my personality. And, uh, you know, I was, my father was an infantry officer, uh, many years ago, he was an infantry officer, uh, then became a doctor in the Navy. So his personality, uh, naturally lent, he, he was, you know how they teach you like officer 24 mm seven, -hmm. like you don't just turn it off. Yeah. That's the way my dad is naturally. He is that guy. Um, so I, I observed that growing up and I knew what it meant to be a professional and to be a quote officer when necessary and completely shut off the humor and you know, and, and to be a fucking boss when needed. Yes. Uh, and so I was able to, it was just a switch. And, uh, you know, I was, I was constantly flipping the switch on and off, which is exactly what they trained us not to do, but I couldn't help it Yeah. because that is just not my personality. Uh, I just had to flip the switch when appropriate. And sometimes, sometimes I would fuck it up and I would, uh, I would have it flipped the wrong way. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but very few instances I was, well, I like to think we have to go back to some of my Marines and ask them uh, what they thought. Um, uh, their their perception is probably you know theirs, so you know, <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean but you I know mean, it, who's right and wrong. You know what I mean? That's one thing I learned throughout the years. <laughs> sure, sure, but I mean I'm still close with almost every Marine I ever served with. It's crazy. Um, they still reach out to me for any number of things, from college admissions to job references to fucking we're acting with me and, and stuff. You know, I've had, I've employed two of my machine gunners. Um, and, uh, and my goal was to employ a whole lot more of the, of the boys I serve with. Um, so, you know, I have a good rep with them. I just, I just mean like, I'd like to know a little bit more about, um, when they thought I mm -hmm. was being too fucking too immature. Like when I should have turned on the officer mode, cause I, I thought I was pretty good about it. If I was in front of them, I had the switch flipped in the right direction. Uh, for the most part, you got to cut back with your uh, your staff NCOs a lot, though, right? Because I could imagine that probably be your only outlet to fuck around with those guys. Oh man, <laughs> staff NCOs and other lieutenants, we had especially in Afghanistan, 
the time of our fucking lives. We had so much fun together. Oh, man. We had had such good staff in O. I was so fortunate. All the staff, NCOs, uh, the platoon sergeants were just bad motherfuckers, man. They'd been Iraq two, three times, plus Afghan. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they were able to, to bust our balls as lieutenants, but still respect us as men. Yes. Um, it's a fine so line. I, it's a fine line. It's definitely a yeah. skill to have as a staff NCO. You got to be able to be, you know, get your point across, you know, but still, you know, walk on thin ice a bit, just a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really, it's, it's a crazy thing, crazy balance, but, um, we, uh, we did it well. I actually ended up becoming on my first appointment, which was a Mew. I became very close with my buddy's platoon sergeant and, uh, he's become one of my best friends to this day. Nice. I got to tell you, if I was one of your Marines, I don't know how you'll get me off your fucking couch. I would never leave your house. I'm like, hey, nah, what, what's the next uh, project, boss? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, got out, I got out the Marine Corps, and it took me a while to figure out, or should I say to cut the umbilical cord, and to figure out that I wanted to go a totally different direction with my life. So it took me a couple of years to realize that I wanted to you know, delve into art and just kind of like immerse myself in that and kind of lose the military you know what i mean um was anything like that did anything like that occur for you like when you got out was there a period where you just you were just like lost you didn't know what to do until it hit you fuck comedy dude nope it was that right away no because because here's the thing man i'm i'm very fortunate and that's part of why you know i get asked um i used to get asked more frequently but uh you know well a lot of civilian reporters assume, you know, well, well, I'm, I'm sure, you know, helping people's um, been, you know, really cathartic for all of your issues. <laughs> and I'm like, actually, I don't have any issues. Um, I never really did. I mean, maybe for like the first month when I came home, two months, maybe when I came home from Afghanistan, uh, I felt a little different around certain people mm-hmm. and I just didn't want to be around them. Uh, but I have no issues, man. I'm I'm so fucking lucky. It's luck, dude. You know, man, you know, some and, yeah. Some guys don't have issues. Some guys, you know, like I I see it all the time. These guys have been in twenty plus years with like five six deployments under their belt, and they're cool. You know, I, I yeah. definitely get it. Uh, what I meant was, when did it dawn on you that you wanted to do comedy? You wanted to kind of like hit the light switch uh, and go from being a serious disciplinarian, which you probably, you know, you, you had to be at some point a little bit, you know, we were just talking about that officer wise, but like really sitting there and saying, I got to let this shit go. I got to be me and, you know, not be scared or think about what other motherfuckers think about me. Cause I want to go this route. You, you understand what I mean? Yes. Um, okay. So again, I'm very lucky. I had it easy. <laughs> Because um, I was in Wounded Warrior Battalion for a year and a half before oh, wow. I got out. And uh, I was never hit by enemy fire. I just kept breaking and I never stopped. I never uh, – oh, that's not true. The, 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 I, the second time I broke my ankle, I broke it like five. Um, I, I missed one day. And it was like one little evolution too in an MAI course in Quantico. Other than that, I just kept destroying myself and, um, and then just ended up in Winter Warrior Battalion. They were like, yeah, you're not going to go to the grunts anymore. Mm. So we're going to have to lap move you. And I was like, no, I didn't join the Marine Corps to not be in the fucking infantry. 
So they said, we can retire you. And I was like, Ooh, tell me more. And I did that. <laughs> um, so I, I, in Wounded Warrior Battalion, I had the luxury of a year and a half to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. But I didn't really need to figure anything out. I knew when I was like 19 years old, my dream was to uh, create what Adam Sandler created, Happy Madison Productions, oh, yeah. which is a production company that makes comedies that is staffed with my friends and family. And I wanted to make movies. I wanted to make the greatest. I'm, I'm a filmmaker at my core. And, uh, and it's because the way I view life since a young age has almost been through the lens of a camera. Mm-hmm. I see a movie playing and I've through, through all of the most intense experiences of my life, I felt like I was watching a movie. And at, in that moment, I thought about how I would make this movie, how I will turn what I'm experiencing right now into a movie. That's how I live my life and experience everything and have since I was 19. So uh, my initial plan was I wanted to be in the Marines for 10 years. My, my, my dream was MARSOC. Uh, and it's, you know, back then it was, it was five-year commitments was what they were doing. So I figured, you know, four years in advance year training, five years MARSOC, then get out. Then I want to be a teacher and a coach. And then when I retired from that, uh, then I would pursue my dreams in film. But – after my experiences in the Marine Corps, when I always kind of just because I'm fucking sick fuck, I just kind of thought I was going to die while I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, I was just ready for it, you know, like I'd lived an awesome life. And um, and so now, like, I realized that I, when after my my first big surgery on my ankle, I'm like, I'm going to live like and if I'm going to live, the only fucking thing I'm going to do is fuck, chase my dream. My oh, dream yeah. is to to own that big company and make film. So uh, so I started. I had the luxury. Again, this is not a typical experience. So I'm I'm so fortunate. I took 43 units of classes in a year and a half. Wow! Um, in a year and, and a half. In a year and a half, while active duty captain. What the hell? While going through three surgeries. Wow! And uh, fucking uh, all A's, one B. And it was all film. It was, it was in production, mm-hmm. directing, writing, writing on drama. Act- yeah, I went to film uh, school too. Yeah, that's cool, man. And and it's hard. A lot of people don't realize like film is not easy. No. And then not only that, the fucking technology keeps changing every year with the software oh, yeah. and everything. It's like one minute you're using Final Cut, the next minute Avis is fucking the bee's knees, and then after that, so so you're like, what the hell's going on? Yep. It's, it's like, it's, it, you know, it's like any, profe- uh, I would say professional industry. Uh, actually, no, that's not true. Any, regardless of your industry, it's like, if you want to be at the top of, of the business, you have to be a lifelong learner and constantly staying ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. And film is no different. So, um, I also took, uh, um, in addition to those classes that I was taking, I also knew, like I basically created a plan for myself. I was like, I, I am not going to go to LA like everyone else does and try to make it. I fucking, it's that, that to me was like death. 
So I was like, I'm going to fucking make myself and I'm going to do it using the only talent that I have right now, which is storytelling. And so I, I was writing my stories and emails, sending them to my friends. Um, I've always been that guy, you know, at a party telling surrounded by six dudes telling some fucking self-deprecating story. <laughs> um, usually about me sticking my dick in a woman that was a, uh, at least twice my weight and blowing prematurely. Was this in so, school? Uh, yeah. Oh, it's a high. So you were pretty oh. much a fucking Marine from birth. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Bro, I've been a proud Minuteman and I've been a proud supporter of women five and below since I was 16. <laughs> Somebody's so got to do like, it. Bro. It was, it was, it, it's, you know, it's a natural fit. Join the fucking grunts, man. <laughs> Dude, you fit right in, man. It was like Cinderella's glass shoe. <laughs> you showed up and they were like, this is my fucking lieutenant. This is crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Looking Sorry. back, I should have brought a fucking 300-pound heifer to the ball. That would have oh. just completed my Marine Corps experience. The cycle would have been done right there. <laughs> so Vet TV, talk to me about yes, that, sir. brother. Um, so Vet TV was a highly accelerated, um, you know, not procreational. I'm I'm blowing the word right now. Um, manifestation of my the dream that mm-hmm. I thought I would make reality when I was fifty. Um, mm. And 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 it's also a different market. I never I never intended to just make stuff for veterans. But it was like after my military experience and knowing that that I experienced those six years in the Marine Corps with such a sense of humor it was just natural it all started with i just started writing a blog and i knew that i would build an audience and i would uh my stories would just get around through word of mouth and then i would turn the blog into a book and then another book and another book and another book and i would say i would continue to build the audience save the money from my books i self-published everything and then i would use that money to then make short films and then eventually bigger films. And that's how I would get to my dream. And that's kind of exactly what happened, except I only wrote one book. That book, um, it ended up, well, my, 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 my biggest fan of the blog, a good friend of mine, fucking smoked himself. So I, I actually redid the book a month before release. And I, had, I added, a, you know, it was, just, it was just a comedy about my last combat op. And then I turned it into a, a message about suicide awareness and prevention. And then the last part of the book is actually a step-by-step actionable plan that the Marine Corps could take to reduce suicide. Mm. And I was just like, you know, I know people are going to read this book because I know my shit's funny. So I might as well include something beneficial to our community while I have their attention. I feel like that's got to be a hard thing to do, to walk the line between making a book that's funny, that's veteran humor, but then also add in this very dark but serious problem. You know, I, yeah. I feel like that's got to be a hard thing to do because you're writing a book, you want people to laugh, and then at the very end, hey, suicide awareness for veterans, important issue. Like, how do you do that? How do you weave that together? Um, I didn't, let's see, I didn't, I, to put it simply, I had a message about it in the preface, 
then uh, each chapter was a different story, a part of the same experience that it all took took place over like four or five days. And then um, in between each chapter was a uh, uh, the the name of somebody who had smoked himself. Mm. And then at the end of the book, there was a wrap up. Mm. So it's like the only thing to like break away from the actual story and the humor would have been the uh, the messages the or the, the the like the little memorials in between each chapter. But you know the way I fucking this, this is what I thought as I was doing because I had the same thought that that you just said. Uh, I was like, we in the military, but especially the grunts, like you become accustomed to going through moments of incredible um, seriousness and heartache. You know, when someone gets hit, it's like, you know, maybe you don't, when you're in the fucking, the heat of the battle, you're not fucking, you know, you're not worrying about, or you're not sad, but well, at least not me. I know maybe I'm sure many people are, but it's like after the battle, then it's just fucking miserable. And then, like the next day you're fucking back to work, you know? And, and then the jokes are fucking flying again. And then you're, you're in battle, you're fucking intense as fuck. And then uh, you come down and then you're making jokes. And then intense as fuck and someone gets hit, you come down, you're making jokes. So it's like, I felt like I wasn't making this book for anyone but grunts. I did not give a fuck if a single person read it. And that's why the book hit so hard was because I didn't try to make it for everyone. I spoke specifically to the grunts and uh, especially combat grunts who had shared this experience. And I knew that that I could get away with it in this book. And and that's how it ended up working out. Dude, that's and that's right up from what I understand. That's right up your your alley. You know, to me, it's natural the way you take dark subjects and spin the, the the humor on them, the comedy on them. And like you said, that is extremely indicative to infantry Marines. That's what we do. It's an emotional roller coaster. One minute yeah. you're in a firefight, you lose a buddy, you come back to the most somber meal in the world in that fob. And then, you know, right before you hit the rack, you're freaking playing Grand Theft Auto, fucking joking around with your friends. And it's just something you have to do. It's nuts, you know? Yeah. And it's to think that that is your reality. It really, it really throws things into a tailspin, you know, and it's hard to come back from that because, you know, and so I think that's why we 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 grit, grasp dark humor so much, you know. It's us not taking the serious things we've done too serious. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say the episode that we did with Jesse Davenport, Jason. You know, I think for the average civilian listening to that, where you guys are laughing about smoking guys as snipers, yeah. I think people would be pretty shocked that you're able to laugh about that stuff. But as as like the lone civilian here, you know, I, I haven't experienced what you've experienced, so I don't I don't get why how you're able to see humor in this. But it's it's almost like a coping mechanism. Yeah, and, and and I think it is more so than anything. But the shit after a while, it genuinely becomes funny. Like I'm sure Donnie could attest to that. The shit is hilarious, man. It's like the the oxy the the, the barrage of oxymorons all day long when you're serving <laughs> in in a fucking war zone. It's like like you have the fucking what was that? Uh, the, the, the dude. It's like mash. First off, your show now uh, hearts and mind, right? 
Is that what oh, it's yeah. called? Dude, that's that's the perfect title because that that speaks, and this is something a lot of civilians won't get. That speaks to, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that speaks to the irony of what we do in these some of these countries. Like we try, you know, we go out there and believe me, all the higher ups, all the people on, you know, uh, you know, above Donnie's pay grade, you know, but they're he's they're they're dictating to him or delegating to him what how we're supposed to act. We're supposed to hand out these soccer balls. We're supposed to, you know, buy these guys computers and, you know, help them out and help the women out and all this good shit. And, you know, we generally get wrapped up into that. And then next thing you know, it's like, I don't think these people kind of want what we want you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm pretty sure they don't want what we want you know and it's just it's just ridiculous and you have to hang on to that 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 <laughs> mantra hearts and minds he's like nah fuck that dude we're smoking all these bitches and getting out of here man <laughs> so, yeah dude it is like the perfect fucking title speaking on that talk to me how that came about because like i said to me that is so reminiscent of mash and I think you guys are onto something really crazy there. You know, I just want to hear what the hell inspired that and how'd you come about it? Um, so Hearts and Minds is actually the title of one episode okay. of the show, A Grunt's Life. And um, A Grunt's Life, you know, we, <clears throat> you know, Vet TV was... It was, it was all you know, an idea in my head for a while, but the actual execution was in very, very initially, uh, primarily me and one other filmmaker named Braden Smith, who is now one of my best friends and uh, is, is con- he's busting his ass off working uh, on our next production as we speak. <clears throat> Actually, I think they're in a writer's meeting. Yes, that just started. So um, he is a grunt from 2-7. And he actually, uh, his unit replaced mine in Afghanistan. And we have the exact same sense of humor. And our, we are filmmakers. The way we see the world is the same. And as we started talking about these big dreams of what we wanted to create as filmmakers, we were like, we have to make a show that, that every infantryman who has ever served, but most specifically post 9-11 grunts, hold as the holy grail. And right now, I don't have data to back this up, but just based on everyone I've talked to, it seems as if Full Metal Jackets and Generation Kill are the holy grail of entertainment mm-hmm. or entertainment. Um, of, of both both sides. It's true. Of, of Army and Marine. Gen Kill nailed post-9-11 warfare. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were like, we have to make something better. Because we don't want to just recreate reality. That's Hollywood already tries to do that. Um, we want to recreate it and parody it and, and make light of the experience because we're all well aware of the miserable parts of combat. But there were so many parts of combat that were so fucking incredible and beautiful and exciting that every one of us will look back and wish we had could get that experience again just mm-hmm. for a fucking moment. Like if we could just fucking fly to Afghanistan for just a couple weeks on vacation, you know, I'd blow a hundred grand just to go back and join a fucking rifle company and get a radio and start calling in fires. You know, like 
I would give anything for that. Did, um, did that ever make you want to do any contracting like Jason has? Because I think for some guys, like, they do miss that rush. Yeah, that's why we always go back, man. Yep. That's exactly why. But um, none of the contracting jobs that I was eligible for without having spec ops experience were worth my time. It was all post shit. Mm-hmm. It was all, oh, you're an infantry officer, so you're good at, uh, at planning and running operations and stuff. And, uh, that was, those were all the jobs that I was looking at. I talked to a couple of recruiters and I was just like, no, I don't want to do that. The what bra- I was yeah. trying to do, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm just saying that I just wanted to mention the brass is kind of what screwed you on that because, you know, yeah. being one of the guys that, you know, we look at resumes and all that stuff. Once I see a Marine captain come across my desk, there's no way in hell I'm putting you straight on mobile or some fucking drop yeah. arm detail. It's not happening. You're, we're going to start grooming you for what you probably don't want to do, which is like talk operations yeah. and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm going to tell you, you guys are going to get a kick out of this. This is just an illusion to what a sick fuck I am. So what I really wanted, I wanted the, the jungle uh, just because, I don't know, probably from watching Vietnam War movies, that was my first introduction to war and, and the Marine Corps. Um, I just want to fight in the jungle. Right. So I just developed this fantasy in my head of going to South America somewhere and like joining some fucking South American, um, little militia and setting in traps on and ambushes on drug smugglers. And I started looking at, um, <laughs> I totally forgot I did this. So I was looking at Dynacore because Dynacore did a lot down south mm-hmm. and nothing. Then I started looking at Catholic missions and contacting Catholic missions directly to ask them who provided security for them. And uh, and then I was going to uh, talk my way into fucking providing security for a Catholic mission, probably get them all killed in the process by the time <laughs> I showed up. <laughs> <laughs> and then that would be my way of getting in with some of the militias and guerrillas down there. Mm. That was what went through my head. That's what a sick fuck I am. Of course, none of this came to fruition. You're a fucking nutcase. Uh, interesting tactic, man. <laughs> yeah, but it seems like it worked out. It seems like it worked out for the best. Do you, like, do you, do you what speak? You love. Do you speak fluent yeah. Spanish? No, I, I used to be pretty fluent. Um, I lost it, but I can get it back really quick. Yeah, well, let's say, man, that'll definitely help down there in South America. But, uh, you know, needless to say, those uh, those aspirations are gone, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm, a, I'm, I'm such a fucking pussy now. It's disgusting. The, uh, dude, just the other night, I was at the grocery store, and uh, uh, I, I bought two frozen meals. And I put him on the thing and I'm going to check out and I'm, I'm with a girl and she grabs the bananas that I bought. We were high. We bought like bananas, Nutella and fucking, uh, and, and microwavable gourmet dinners. Right. Nice. And so, so she grabs the bananas and I go to grab my frozen dinners. The woman didn't give me a bag and we walked there and I think to myself for a second, Oh no, that's going to make my hands cold on the walk home. So maybe I should ask for a bag. That's what a fucking pussy I've become. No, it's I don't. I don't disgusting. agree. I, I wouldn't call you a pussy. 
I mean, that's like my friends over here. Just because I'm fucking from New York, it starts fucking snowing anywhere. And they're like, oh, aren't you from fucking New York? Why are you shivering? Bitch, because I go inside the house once it starts fucking snowing. There's heat in there. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. you know. And plus, we were out in the fucking woods during our fucking career and freezing our ass off, wet and shit and shivering. And who the fuck ever wants to be uncomfortable again if you don't got to do it intentionally? You know what I mean? Yeah. I get it. I get yeah. it, man. All it's that, not pussy. All that mental toughness I had is gone. You don't need it. Fuck that shit. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's true. I guess I don't. You, you, you can smoke bud and, and uh, bang hot chach all day long. Congratulations. Ultra 11. You made it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the life. Man. Was Valhalla Fairy Tales, was that your biggest like skit or the one that kind of put you on the map? Because that was no. the one I couldn't... Dude, I, I watched that shit like 30 times. It had me crying, man. Oh, wait, wait. That, wait, was that um, that's the, the... Yeah, that's the, the one where you were doing the brief and the fucking Terp was there and shit. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, what put me on the map was the one... That was the second one. was the first one. It was a mockumentary on the first female to graduate infantry oh, officer course. Oh, yeah. I penis. I remember <laughs> that one. <laughs> That was a good one. <laughs> I uh, think I think the other one was better though, man. That shit. I think that one right there is more in line with what you're doing now. It's like that humor that yeah. only we could appreciate. I think people were looking at that like, why does he keep telling his turp he's gonna kill him? <laughs> yeah, for sure. In that one, um, it was more targeted to combat inf- infantrymen, and that's what uh, helped me develop more diehard following amongst. Infantryman. Uh, nice. So, yeah, the, the one thing I was going to ask before we wrap this up, Jason was talking about it with me. We've talked about it in past past episodes. Um, the social media bias stuff, you know, when you're blasting stuff out, and we've seen it with SoftRep. Um, you know, we have a huge following on Facebook and, and elsewhere, but it's gotten to the point where they're specifically taking down stuff that literally promotes manliness or, or in some cases, if there's like a gun pointed at a screen, they're like, this is intimidating. We don't want it. I'm sure you've seen it with YouTube demonetizing videos even more than we have because we don't do as much on YouTube as you, but I just wanted to hear your perspective on that shit. Um, so we haven't experienced... I can't relate to what you just said about taking down stuff, promoting gotcha. manliness. Sure. We don't promote manliness. We promote just terrible war crimes <laughs> um, and gratuitous sex. Um, but uh, we'll, part of what is um, – of why Vet TV had to be done the way it, 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 it is done now – with, with it being a private subscription-based network is because it's ours. We have zero regulations on our content, ex- except we can't do porn. However, we are going to be moving to a new platform within the next year where we own everything. Um, and uh, it's we're partnering up with uh, a couple other Another big veteran brand, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but um, 
uh, we will own it. So if we wanted to do porn, we fucking can. <laughs> no one can tell us no. When you said another veteran brand, I, I think I have something in mind, but I, I won't say it if you don't want me to. Um, yeah, don't. I don't. All right. Do I think you, I have a good idea you, of who. It's, it's not us. You know, I'll, I'll say that, but I, I think I have a good idea of who. It's like when Dr. Dre got drunk and announced I'm thinking that he was maybe like a certain someone I mentioned earlier in the interview. I'll just say that. <laughs> maybe. maybe. The CEO yeah. scares the fucking shit out of me. And I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting in front of my father when I talk to him. So, um, so I'm not going to fucking open my mouth any further. <laughs> got you. That's cool though, man. That's great to see. No, I, the, the thing that I was wondering actually more like we've been hit on Facebook, but I've seen like the YouTube demonetization stuff and you have certain stuff on there. That's like hundreds of thousands of views that could, you know, affect the money that you're making and stuff like that. So, I mean, if you haven't seen it, that's great though. No, when it, we actually have never monetized anything on YouTube. There you go. Okay. Mm, that's why that, that makes we sense. We don't care. Um, everything that you see on social media is just marketing to bring people to the paid network to get the $5 a month. And so we can continue making film for the community. Yeah. I think that's the way to do it, man. So, um, the website once again is veterantv.com. If you want to pick up the book we were talking about, it's embarrassing confessions of a Marine Lieutenant. Follow Donnie on Twitter, on Instagram at Donnie O'Malley. Hopefully, we could retweet out this show once we get it up, uh, which will be tomorrow. But uh, anything else you want to get to? I mean, it was an honor having you on for the first time, and we'll definitely do this again, especially if you're ever ever in uh, New York. We'd love to have you come in studio. Um, actually, I am considering coming to New York at the end of December. Are you guys going to be around? Yeah, man, we'll be here. Let's do it. Dude, um, one more question, man. What yes, units... Sir. What units have you been in, and what was your favorite unit? And don't give me no fucking PC shit. There's got to be a favorite. You know, like when you got children, you got a favorite fucking child. What was your favorite unit? Oh, uh, well, that's easy for me because I was only in one. Oh, shit. Thousand. I'm spending captain over here. Maybe you went on to like a B-billet, but you said you went to the Wounded Warrior Battalion. I got it. Yeah, okay, cool. Man. I was a fucking phony captain. I oh, wasn't leading please. anyone when I picked up that rank. Dude, <laughs> I was still, le- I was still leading myself in and of itself. So... I was leading myself to go talk to fucking eighteen-year-old chicks at the junior college I was going to. <laughs> um, so, uh, so anyway, yeah, too far. <laughs> too far. Nice man. Dude, well, big uh, ups, man. Yeah, so uh, we'll definitely set something up for when you're in New York. We'd love to make oh, that dude, happen. Yeah. I'll, I'll email you guys. But uh, yeah, anything, anything else before uh, we wrap this up? No. Um, anything want- else you want to plug? No, Vet TV is my baby. That's where my life savings is in. Big chunk of my parents' life savings and mm-hmm. a friend's. So that's all I want to plug. Um, it's VeteranTV.com is, is, is the bigger website. The one where you actually do the – watching the videos is VeteranTV.tv. Um, and there's link. That's not hard to find. There's links all over.com. But um, the uh, – the la- I want what I would like for everyone to understand that we are trying to do with Vet TV is create one show for every MOS in the military. And that's like the 20 year vision because we, the grunts and operators have lots of entertainment made about that experience. But an uh, Army fucking mechanic, Army Motor T, or Air Force admin, mm-hmm. um, maybe Navy Air Wing. And the enlisted side, they don't have shows made for them. And that's our job. We are filmmakers, writers, and directors, and actors. 
And um, this is our business, in the business of making shows. So um, the, the intent, although right now we only have three shows, in the long term, we're going to have dozens to hundreds of shows that are made for someone who was served for just some short period of time to sit back and watch a show and relive their experience and feel good when they're done watching the show. And that's, uh, that's why we exist as a business. And uh, so the more people who, who subscribe, the quicker we can make shows for everyone. Awesome, man. Well, great having a fellow New Yorker on as well. I feel like we all share that same humor in a way. It's not just the veteran humor. It's definitely the New Yorker thing, too, Uh, coming from, like, all different cultures. I mean, just between the three of us, right? It's a lot of different cultures there. Hell, yeah. So uh, We're a little heavy on the Hispanic side now (laughs) because he's half. But then you got Italian, Irish, Jewish. I mean, I feel like that's New York right there. I think we got everything covered in here. No, no black dudes. <laughs> but. It out. Ah, yeah, you're right. You're right. We need some black dudes <laughs> on here. I was gonna say we need a brother in here, dude. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we'd have to have uh, we have to have uh, James Powell come on, and that'd be oh, another yeah. Marine too. Ah, man, we're dominating shit. Dude. <laughs> cool, man. Well, yeah, well, I'll I'll definitely be in touch. Appreciate it, Donnie. Thank, Thank you, you boss. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. You're the fucking man. Keep it up. Thank you. I. Uh, it's funny you say that because I look up to guys like you who have done so much more than me and have experienced so much more battle than me you are my hero and uh when you when you when you say that kind of shit to me it actually makes me uncomfortable i'm just a comedian you're the real fucking warrior here so thank you man i don't know what to say man i'm fucking humbled bro seriously thank you man fuck that's all i'm gonna leave it at fuck Great having him on. I look, I look forward to doing something in studio. Um, hey, so there was other stuff I wanted to get to, as I mentioned here, so we'll get to it. Uh, on Twitter, at UndiplomaticGun tweeted me at Ian Scotto, uh, this Dennis Rodman article. And this is actually originally from the AP. Uh, Dennis Rodman asks Trump for formal role as North Korea envoy. Dennis Rodman, the American basketball player uh, turned freelance diplomat, has urged Donald Trump to sign him up as a peace envoy to North Korea after his latest foray into Kim Jong-un's hermit kingdom was scuppered by a travel ban preventing U.S. citizens from visiting. During an interview with Beijing from where Rodman had hoped to fly to Pyongyang for his sixth trip there, the (laughs) former NBA star said U.S. officials had discouraged him from doing so amid continuing tensions between the countries. And the quote was basically they said it's not a good time right now. Uh, a State Department ban on U.S. passport holders visiting North Korea came into force on September 1st after the death of Otto Warmbier. You know, we know all mm-hmm. about that, of course. Um, but then Dennis says, uh, if I can go back over there, you'll see me talking to him and sitting down and having dinner, a glass of wine. That guy does love to drink, uh, laughing and doing my thing. I guess things will settle down a bit and everybody can rest at ease. I think a lot of people around the world want me to go just to see if I can do something. Uh, Dennis Rodman has been a recurrent theme on this podcast. Uh, Dude, we got to ch- send him an email. <laughs> we well, got to get, get him, him on, on, bro. But uh, yeah, <laughs> what do you think of the whole um, North Korea shit with him? Dude, if he's going over there in no official capacity, you're going over there to drink, to fuck, and be merry. How serious do you think the fucking president is going to take him in matters of fucking, you know, government? Dennis, I feel like or, uh, or foreign Trump, affairs. Trump loves celebrities, though. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is I'm not talking about Trump. I'm talking about uh, uh, Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un. 
How how he's not gonna take fucking Dennis Rodman serious as far as fucking foreign uh, foreign affairs. You know what I mean? Like, bro, you coming over here? You probably go through about three or four women a fucking night. You know. <laughs> Let's be honest. He's been over there six fucking times. It's got to be the time of his life. You know what I mean? You're dealing with someone who has their thumb on the entire country. Yeah. I'm sure he can do whatever he wants. So where he thinks he's fucking buddy-buddy with this guy, what I see is nothing's changed whatsoever with his attitude, his demeanor, uh, you know, as far as his perspective towards the United States. You know, with Dennis Rodman coming back and forth, but nothing's fucking changed. It's not like he says, hey, Americans are fucking cool because, you know, Dennis Rodman, now I got to know him, and if they're all like him, then fucking they're awesome. No, that hasn't happened yet. It's not going to happen. I don't I don't see it. I got to ask the big question that I ask everybody when we get into this. Have you seen the Big Bang in Pyongyang? Mm-mm. Oh, so good. You got to watch it, man. Go on Netflix. Big Bang in Pyongyang? Yeah, it's, it's, it's it. all about Dennis Rodman's trip over there, and uh, it is... Extreme. Did it seem theatrical? Did it seem, like, dramatized? Like, well, Dennis Rodman is clearly, honestly, an alcoholic, you know, and he goes over there and he, he gets completely wasted and has the time of his life. And, I mean, he doesn't do a good job representing America by any means. Uh, you know, he, he goes over there, sings happy birthday to uh, Kim Jong-un. Uh, the North Koreans in attendance are clapping along because they feel like they have to, I'm sure. No, they, they don't feel like they no, have they to. Have they to, have to, I should to. say. I, I stand corrected. But it's not like they're singing because the funny thing is this is the first time they've ever heard this song in their life. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't know what song you sing. like, is this a real song? Yeah, they're like, what is this? Uh, you know, and, and the really crazy thing is to watch the NBA players that he brings over there, the former players, and they're trying their best to be diplomatic and professional, and he screws the whole thing up because he's Dennis Rodman and he can't control himself. Uh, it's you got to watch it. I, I highly recommend it. I, I I've said it many times in this podcast. I feel like I'm like doing marketing for them or something, but I enjoyed it, dude. I will. As far as Dennis <laughs> Rodman, dude, do whatever the hell you want. Just leave the U.S.'s name out of it. Yeah, <laughs> I, and you know, I think he likes the celebrity. You know, mm-hmm. he says in the documentary, he's like, "They're not asking LeBron James to come over. They're not, you know, they're asking me to come over." So, yeah, man, I guess when you got the last thing to hang on to, yeah, hang on to that shit tight. Yeah. <laughs> um, emails. This is a good one from Jason sent to softrep.radio at softrep.com. I definitely wanted to acknowledge this because I thought it was, uh, you know, you've said it before. You always like to talk about groups who are doing good things for veterans. And, you know, sometimes you have veterans charities tooting their own horn. It's cool to hear from someone that they actually helped so that you know that they're doing the right thing. Uh, Gentlemen, I just spent the weekend hunting with Patriot Hunts. I'm a captain in the United States Army and work in SOCOM in the Civil Affairs Branch. I just want to update you on on a get organization called Patriot Hunts. They take wounded vets, retired service members, active duty, and gold star kids on a wide range of different hunts. I spent the weekend deer hunting in North Carolina since I'm stationed in Bragg. I was able to get my first deer ever. It has been years since I was ever able to hunt with deployments and training exercises getting in the way. Patriot Hunts covers lodging and food. If the event is local or in a neighboring state, they will try to carpool to save on transportation costs for the individual participating. They will help get licensing and tags. They will even help get gear and proper weapons for the hunt. 
The guides are all veterans or current active duty that offer their time to share the great outdoor experiences with people that have also made great sacrifices. They hunt all over the United States. They will also take time during the hunt to pass on knowledge they learned from hunting. I just thought I would pass this info on so you guys could give them a look. It's been brought uh, up. It's been brought up on the podcast many times about different organizations that reach out and help uh, veterans and families. So after spending time with them this weekend, I knew you guys should know about them. So um, when I saw this email, I was like, have we talked about them before? And I looked back. I actually talked about an organization called Freedom Hunters on episode 131 while we were at SHOT Show. That was 2015, so it was a while ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, because we got SHOT Show 2018 right around the corner. Yeah. But very similar organization and I think it's cool. I mean, there's a lot of people in the veteran community who are big on hunting, especially from those communities. So it's good to see them bring them into something. More that they so, love. it's great to hear from someone who is directly uh, who directly benefited from the charity. It's amazing, man. And they're doing it. You yeah. know, you 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 worry about a lot of these, um, you know, these uh, charity organizations and exactly, you know, what are they doing? Because you're not you're donating, but you're not participating. You know yeah, what I mean? So I agree. I mean, to hear that and to see that, you know, he had such a great time and, you know, the the ple- the plethora of individuals that they're helping from Gold Star Children, which, you know, that kind of you know warms me up there that's amazing yeah to you know wounded veterans and even active duty members like they're not you know singling any one group they're like you know whoever served and sacrificed we got you back that's cool man and it's cool that's veterans running it too because there's that camaraderie there mm-hmm. um yeah and i think it's a great thing believe it or not i've never gone hunting i would i'd love to but i never i never done an official i never hunted officially like i, I always talk about this one situation i shot the hell out of a quail you know in korea <laughs> In South Korea, not nice. North Korea. Uh, yeah, so it exploded because obviously I didn't shoot it with the right caliber. You know, <laughs> so all I had was three three hundred eight. So <laughs> the thing that I, I, you know, I guess the the reason I've wanted to do it is because of the fact that like I would love to eat freshly hunted venison and all I that. have that. I had ate fresh meat because I've I've worked with several guys that were like you know huge in hunting and yeah. tracking and all and just all the outdoor outdoors life i've i've ate you know fresh venison jerky you know when i used to work as an instructor down in stone bay man our guys used to come in all the time with jerky and you know fr- you know fresh meat um one time i ate freaking mountain lion nice what it was it was uh pushed into a sausage and it had little cubes of fucking jalapeno and cheese in it fucking dude mountain lion was awesome I had um, venison jerky at Shot Show and also venison chili. It's good, right? Yeah. I mean, I've had, I just think it'd be cool to the experience that this is something that you did. You know, I think we're so desensitized yeah. to, um, you know, you go into a grocery store, everything is shrink wrapped. It's, it's probably been a couple of days since it was actually killed. You know, I, I think it'd be cool to have that experience. Uh, Joe Rogan is really big on hunting, and he actually talked about the first time he hunted. You know, became very fascinated with it and then actually got into it. And what he said was he was like, I feel like I if if I'm going to eat meat, which I do, I feel like I should have the experience of killing it myself. And he's like, if I don't feel comfortable with it, maybe I should become a vegetarian or something, Mm. you know, because like you're comfortable with. I hear he just wanted to give it a shot to see what I get it. And he became very into it. So I, I, you know, it's kind of weird when people, um, like I'm not a fan, not to judge, you know, because I know people who are into it. I'm not a fan of the whole trophy hunting thing. That's a whole nother topic. But uh, I, I don't get the people who look down on hunters in general because mm-hmm. 
unless you're a vegetarian, it's like, shut up, because you're you're eating something that was probably killed in a much more inhumane way if you're getting it at the grocery store. Can you imagine how fucking pussified the world would be if everyone was a vegetarian or vegan? <laughs> Everybody would be walking around with, like, low energy and shit, hey, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to fight, man. It's cool. I, I couldn't picture it. I couldn't do the uh, vegetarian thing myself. I, it's good to experiment maybe for like 30 days. They say anything, you know, it's good to try anything out for a little, uh, you know, small portion of time. But I, I would try being a vegetarian for 30 days just, yeah. just to see, you know, what the benefits are or how I actually felt. Um Vegans even crazier. No Vegans cheese, even crazier because no you're talking about what? No butter. No milk. Yeah. It's no. Yeah. That's that to me. I think vegetarian. You could definitely survive. Be strong. Be healthy. Vegan. I think you need you need some of these fats. You yeah. need some of these vitamins. Well, so you have to supplement. Yeah. But yeah, you know they do say animal protein, like all very important, yeah. and certain vitamins that are just in animals. I wouldn't want to just be getting. Uh, that from supplementation but to be fair i think i have a pretty decent diet there's people who talk shit on vegetarians <laughs> and vegans and they're eating like mcdonald's three times yeah, a so day. They're, they're not exactly i'm the same way either. i won't go crazy i won't eat like fucking mcdonald's or burger king and shit i hate that shit yeah i, I can't bring myself to eat that stuff unless i'm with my kids which is crazy because they love it so because of them i would eat mcdonald's but i'll try to get like just a boring ass southern chicken sandwich or something you know what i mean i'm not really enjoying it but, you know, I'm doing it for it the kids, kid. yeah. you know, but I, I'm that's not, you know, that doesn't keep me from enjoying holiday dinners at home. I'm, I'm fucking Puerto Rican. You know, we got the pernin, we got, you know, we got the hands, we got the, the, the pork chops. We got, I, don't, I can't. I'm sorry, man. The food's too goddamn good. And it's Christmas and we just came through Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, man. This is the best time of the year for food where I come from. You know what I, I mean? I can't be a vegan, bro. So, uh, yeah, keep sending emails, softrep.radio at softrep.com. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, and I, I guess that's really it. We really appreciate having Donnie O'Malley on. He was incredible. We'll have him back on soon. And as a reminder for all of those who are listening, for a limited time, you can receive a 50% discounted membership to Softrep TV. And if you want to hear all about Softrep TV, just listen to the last episode with Drew Wallace. We covered everything. Uh, SoftRep TV's premiere show, Training Cell, follows former Special Operations Forces as they participate in the most advanced training in the country. Everything from shooting schools, defensive driving, jungle and winter warfare, climbing, and much more. Again, you can watch this content by subscribing to SoftRep TV. That's at SoftRepTV.us and take advantage of a limited time offer of 50% off your membership, only $4.99 a month. And of course, you know, we were just talking about the event we had with Jim West that was an exclusive to Crate Club subscribers. So if you haven't gotten a chance to check out the SoftRep Crate Club, you're definitely going to want to do that ASAP. It's a subscription to get a box of badass tactical and survival gear delivered to your door every month. Here's the kicker. All of the gear is handpicked and tested by former special ops guys so you know you're getting quality gear that's going to work when you need it to. Crates we've set in the past have included gear like custom knives, multi-tools, fire starters, EDC med kits, and other kick-ass stuff. You don't just get great gear with your subscription. You're also supporting a veteran-owned and run company. To subscribe and start getting your gear, visit CrateClub.us. We also have gift options available. That's CrateClub.us. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I know people had a great time at that uh, Jim West event, and hopefully we'll have more of those in the future, but you're not going to hear about it unless you're a Crate Club subscriber. Yeah, true. So get on that. And oh. and the holidays are coming up, so get on that, you know what I mean? Because, you know, sometimes you get three or four things in the mail, you know, maybe you could re-gift one, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. <laughs> well, and we have gift options available, so that's yeah. great. Um, anything else that you, that you wanted to get to before we uh, call this a wrap? I figured the last thing that we'll do uh, before the outro, I figured what more appropriate way to end this show. And I saw you posted a picture on Instagram and our friend CJ Ramon liked it. So let's end this show with CJ Ramon's grunt. Yes. You don't take it as it is or could you know you're about to be a Jerry grunt. Listening to Soft Rep Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. For all of the great content from our veteran journalists, join us and become a team room member today at softrep.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Soft Rep Radio. And be sure to also check out the Power of Thought podcast, hosted by Hurricane Group CEO and Navy SEAL sniper instructor, Brandon Webb.